The following is a Tony Lozano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And now, Free Kicks. Free Kicks. With Illinois Youth Soccer Association's Director of Coaching, Adam Howarth and Rick Kemper. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Free Kicks. A little later this week. Because our uh, our highfalutin uh, sidekick here, uh, Mr. Howarth, was, you know, traveling overseas, uh, doing the old Barcelona thing. It's a rough life. It is. It is. Someone's got to do it. It was. It was a. <laughs> it was a great week. Uh, a lot of coaching education. Obviously, got to see a final game, which was awesome. So yeah, a lot well, of fun. let's talk about that because uh, you were at the final Barcelona game of the season, right? That's right, yeah. So this was the, the final league game and obviously uh, Iniesta's final game as well. So that was great. Had you ever been to a La Liga game before? I had never been. First time to Barcelona, first time to a game. I was able to catch a couple of other uh, La Liga B games as well, which was a lot of fun too. But yeah, it was, it was awesome. So before we talk about the soccer part, isn't Barcelona like the coolest city ever? I tell you what, it was funny. I was just talking about this the other day. I would go back there in a second. It's probably definitely in my top three or four places to visit. You've got the beach. You've got yeah. the city. You've got everything there. I mean, how? why would you not want to go back there? It's <laughs> I, awesome. I, I've only been there once, and it was like 30 years ago, but I would go back. I would go back. The thing that I remember about the city was that nobody goes out to dinner until like 11 o'clock at night. Is it still exactly. like that? It's pretty much the same way, yeah. I mean, we were eating. I mean, it was late when we were eating. I mean, I had more tuppers than I've ever had before in my life, that's for sure. And um, But, yeah, it's it's crazy. And, and people wandering around even after the game. You know, midnight, you know, we were just walking back from the game and just people just wandering around, drinking, eating. Places are open. You know, it's crazy. Talk about the difference of, you know, obviously as somebody who has attended, you know, hundreds of Premier League games. Yeah. The difference between that atmosphere and the atmosphere in Spain. Yeah, I mean, that game, I mean, that final game, it's so it's such a, a amazing place to go. You walk in there and it just blows you away. It's just the stadium. I mean, there was 85, 86,000 people there. Um, it's definitely an experience. Uh, you know, you could probably compare it to some of the stuff that goes on here in terms of some of the, the Super Bowl things. It's almost like a, a, a Super Bowl game every time uh, you, you watch a, a league game. Um, they've got all kinds of stuff around. It's, it, they're doing a great job marketing, no question. But the actual atmosphere and, and everything within the stadium, it, it's fantastic. And wasn't it also a special game? Was it uh, the final game ever for one of the great players of all time yeah Andre Iniesta was his final game and uh he he actually looked really good I mean as we were talking about it it's like man the guy's 34 years old and I know he's still going to be playing in the World Cup as well but uh he he looked really good he doesn't I, I think he's definitely got a few more years to play where where he chooses to go we don't know I think he's probably going to go somewhere and pick up a bunch of money before he finishes completely uh, but he looked really good Great atmosphere. They did a great send-off at the end of the game. They just did this fantastic kind of celebration of his life, and uh, it was really nice. Do you think it's possible he's coming here? There's a chance. I've heard that. There's some rumors about maybe him coming over. Um, I think Japan and China um, 
personally, he's probably going to go where the money is. I hate to say that, but sure, that's probably what's going to happen. Um, if he gets uh, gets thrown a lot of money, it's going to be hard for him not to, to go to a China or a Japan. So while you were there, did you also see them doing uh, a big tribute to uh, – oh, my God. I just had a, a brain – aneurysm here uh what's the uh, <laughs> the other guy who had his last game fernando torres thank torres. you yeah yeah there, there wasn't as much talk about him I, I mean i'll be honest with you but um you know in terms of what he did obviously he's on uh, madrid so they don't really talk about madrid it's kind right, of right i guess uh, that's yeah. true <laughs> <laughs> you know the madrid thing is a big deal the only time i actually saw I saw a, a Madrid store, and it was actually pretty close. There's loads of Barcelona stores everywhere. Wherever you walk around, there's Barcelona stores. I saw one Madrid store, and uh, yeah, I kind of walked past it quickly. I didn't want to <laughs> upset any Barcelona people. But you uh, get yeah, hit by rocks. Exactly. I didn't know what was going to happen. But uh, yeah, Fernando Torres, last game, and he he finished on the high too. Scored a couple of goals to finish off, and he's not that much older. He's probably about 34 or 35 as well. But uh, he is great. not on the World Cup roster. Correct. He's not on the World Cup roster. He's kind of faded away probably yeah. in his last few years. His really stay at Chelsea was not that great, was it? Yeah, I think after he left Liverpool, when he went to Chelsea, he was this kind of massive, got, you know, we bought him for like 50 million, I think it was. And and he ended up uh, just kind of being an average player. I mean, he, he, he wasn't a bad player. But he just didn't do all the things he did with Liverpool that year before. And so uh, he just kind of finished off. And then he went back to Madrid, Atletico Madrid, uh, to finish off his career. Do you think that there's some sort of uh, anti-Chelsea bias uh, among the uh, Spanish? Because I noticed that the World Cup roster is missing all the Spanish guys that play for Chelsea. I tell you what, I was looking at that. It's funny you say that. I was like, yeah, this is a little rough. I mean, we we definitely Chelsea had a rough season. There's no question about it. Um, and to be fair, some of those are a little bit older. I mean, Fabregas is a little bit older, uh, and he doesn't run around too much. He's kind of yeah, he just kind of he kind of likes the ball at his feet. Won't do too much. He doesn't even the, start all the time for Chelsea, does exactly. he? Exactly. He's in and out. The only person I probably felt bad for is Marcus Alonso. Yeah, because I think he was the one that probably had a chance to get in. He provides so much, you know, coming down that flank and. He's hit some great free kicks this year as well. So he was probably a little bit, but I mean, the Spain's team's so good. I, I mean, know. it's just, I mean, when you're leaving out players like Morata and Fabregas and Alonso, I mean, yeah. and, and you're still adding, you know, great players in what they have, you know, Iniesta's, the Isco's, and, you know, a former Chelsea player, Diego Costa, of all people, right. he makes a team. Yeah. So, you know, when you get those players in, it's, it's, it's hard to keep everybody happy. Uh, wasn't didn't Diego Costa play for Brazil? Well, it was one of those things where back in the day, I think he played at the younger age levels, and then he kind of moved over. Um, but yeah, he ended up doing a lot of things happen with, especially with grandparents and parents. They found out some heritage, and he can play at those younger levels. And then he was able to jump over to play for Spain. So ah, I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, since we're talking about Chelsea, uh, what? I believe I have some uh, audio that I can play here. Hang on. Premier League football. What's happening on the pitch? Well, on the pitch, while you were in Barcelona, a few hundred miles north of you, there was a, a big game going on uh, at Wembley Stadium, correct? 
Right. Yeah, that's right. Man United and Chelsea in the FA Cup final. Yeah. And you, last week on this show, predicted a Chelsea victory. I thought you were incorrect, but you were not. <laughs> I know. See, people have to listen to me. You know, it's kind of crazy. I know. I actually even got a, got myself a little lunch out of the deal too with uh, with one of the people in the office. So it worked out well. Yeah. I mean, oh, you had a bet. So, <laughs> well, of course, always, yes. always. Um, but yeah, it wasn't a great game. Um, I was able to catch the second half of it um, on a on a phone. We was actually coming back from a game in Barcelona. We was watching a, a, a league uh, B league game. But was able to catch the second half, and uh, um, yeah, Chelsea got through it. Not the prettiest of games, but was able to get the victory. Yeah, I, I watched the game too, and you're right; it was it was not a great game. <laughs> I, I actually thought, man, uh, man, you outplayed Chelsea, but it doesn't matter. Set pieces, set pieces, set pieces, right? That's right. You know, every time that ball went over the top. Luckily, Hazard came to play that day. Was definitely one of the better players on the day. Yes, no question. And I, and I know we've mentioned this before. When he comes to play, he he really can change games, and that's what he did. He got in behind him, uh, bad tackle from behind, set up the penalty kick. There was probably some debate that we could have had another one with that handball as well. Yeah, and, I actually uh, think that's true. I think that was a it, the handball so, rule has almost become meaningless at this point. Yeah, you just don't know what's going to I mean, you have to pretty much punch a ball uh, intentionally to get it called (laughs) as a handball now, right? Yeah, I mean, and and again, there's so inconsistencies, so many inconsistencies, even with referees not showing if it's hand to ball, ball to hand, all that kind of stuff. You just don't know what's going to happen. But we'll take the victory, we'll move on, and uh, we'll see what happens this summer after the World Cup, who's going to be there and who's not. How do you how do you train kids? Now, people that don't know, Adam is the director of coaching for the Illinois Youth Soccer Association. So, he coaches a lot of the uh, Olympic development program kids here in the uh, Chicago area. What do you teach the kids as in terms of the handball rule? I mean, is there is is there a uh, a way of avoiding it, or is it just something you just don't even think about? Yeah, I think, you know, there's been some some areas I know with some games, a lot of players are kind of, when they're defending, they kind of put their hands behind their back a little bit. Sometimes I've seen defenders do that. I certainly don't teach that. Okay. I think as, as, as long as the players are low to the ground, you know, side on, and they're, they're less likely to to really probably the ball hit in their hand. You know, and I think, like you said, if it's totally intentional, I get it, but realistically for the most part if the ball hits the guy's arm the referees aren't gonna hopefully call it right and you know we've talked about this before too but the uh the attacking power that man U has is just amazing and i thought chelsea's defense played quite well they were they were strong very good defensively tight you know centrally so compact they did a really nice job of kind of keeping everything in front and kind of keeping them out wide now and that's not to say Man United still had some chances. I mean that Pogba header, right. that kind of that. I mean that pretty much summed up his season right there. I mean yeah. how that guy doesn't even put it on target was yeah. amazing. When that ball came across, I'm like, oh, that's not good. And then, <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> completing reminded me of me. That yeah. was <laughs> like if if Kemper got put in the game for uh, one play, that would <laughs> would have happened there. Yeah, yeah. You know what player I really like on Man U is uh, Martial. Yeah, who yeah, good player. is a great winger, has got 
you know, he plays he plays midfield too, um, but did not make the French roster for the World Cup. Yeah, again, another deep roster in terms of the players, but yeah, slightly surprising. I mean, I think he's had an okay season, to be yeah, fair. He's that's not being true. fantastic. Um, and to be fair, you could probably say that about all Man United players, but, you know, has he been as good as Pogba? Probably. But Pogba's got this, you know, this persona, this group around him that, you know, he gets into the team. And so, so um, yeah, a little upset for him, a little frustrated that he probably didn't make it. You know, and there's, it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how France does because I think they've still got a very strong group. I mean, they've got some really good players. There's no question. I actually think Fran- uh, France is one of the favorites, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I think up there, certainly Spain, France. Um, I mean, you've got 14 European teams in this thing. I mean, you could probably say... Half of those have a legitimate chance of probably winning the World Cup, um, especially France. You've got Spain, you've got Belgium. Obviously, Germany's always there. Right, let's not forget them. Um, so yeah, and Portugal's the reigning European <laughs> champions. Yeah, so you've got you've got a lot of teams that can do it, uh, as well as obviously the, the South American teams. It's it's going to be probably one of those two, I would think. So let's talk about the Germans because there was a big upset this week in Germany too. Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, uh, a team that we visited last summer. Yeah, that's right. Beat Bayern Munich in the uh, in the German version of the FA Cup, the German Cup, the DFB Pokal, three mm-hmm. to one. They didn't just beat them; they beat them like a drum. Yeah, great victory for Eintracht Frankfurt. And what was so funny about it was the manager of Eintracht Frankfurt beat his new team. So he's going to be the new Bayern uh, manager right. next year. So Nico Kovac, yeah. Um, so I guess if you're a Bayern, I guess there's a positive. If you're going to lose, you're going to lose to the uh, the incoming manager, so to speak. So that's I guess that's the only positive they can get out of it. That's true. Uh, on the other hand, it was also the last game of their outgoing manager, Jupankis, right? Yeah. who was a big player in Germany when I was growing up. Uh, yeah. He was uh, one of, always one of my favorite players. I've never liked him as a coach. He's been very successful as a coach, but uh, he was one of my favorite players as a kid. Yeah, I mean, when the, a few years ago when he re, 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 retired the first time or resigned, they'd won the Champions League. And then now, after that, he came back because everything was a little bit in flux in terms of after Ancelotti left and trying to f- figure things out. I mean, and to be fair, they had a good chance of winning all three. You know, they could have won it. They obviously won the league, should have probably won the the German Cup, and then obviously lost in the semifinals in the Champions League. So uh, probably a disappointing year in terms of how they did, but still pretty good. Yeah. Wouldn't you like to have a disappointing year like that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, (laughs) they've won the league for the sixth time in a row. It's not bad. I think they'll be okay. They'll learn to live with that. Exactly. All right, let's talk about uh, this country. And we believe we have some audio for that. In this country, we call it soccer partner. That's true. And what would you say is the the one iconic moment, the most iconic moment in the history of women's soccer in America? Well, it's got to be Brandy Chastain winning, you know, scoring that game-winning penalty kick in the, in the 99 World Cup final, for sure. Yes, she gets the goal, she takes her shirt off, she throws it around and 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 becomes an international celebrity, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. And she was she's a, a very pretty uh, girl and this week was given a uh, 
a place in the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame. Right. And they created a plaque for her. And I, I urge you to go online and see if you can find <laughs> this because it is it is the it looked she looks like Mickey Rooney on this picture. <laughs> Have you seen yeah. it? I've seen it and it, it's it's awful. It it really is, and it, it's so funny because I saw a lot of people talking about how she was so beautiful, how she's one of the most beautiful athletes that have ever played the game, and uh, the, it, that that whole thing's just an embarrassment. It really is. I mean, and to be fair to Brandy, she was very politically in tune and she was saying you know it was probably not my best picture and uh, and you know I, I probably had better days and uh but with the way with the way twitter is and the way instagram is and everything else um you know it, it's there i think uh, i saw one particular one where it, it, they they put a picture of eleanor roosevelt next to brandy Chastain. <laughs> right, that, that's it. it looks like eleanor roosevelt too i was uh, i was i thought mickey rooney but yes eleanor roosevelt <laughs> works too so yeah exactly so i'm like oh my gosh you, you got mickey rooney you got eleanor roosevelt it's not good not a good day for unfortunately for brandy so but it looks like they're gonna be redoing it hopefully you know i saw a uh uh, uh, somebody that you and I both know, Steve Pastorelli, showed me the uniforms of the the new women's uh, national team uniforms. Yeah, they're yeah. awesome. Yes, yes, very and nice. For for the first time in a very long time, I don't know why this is, and this is from someone who's been following American soccer for fifty years. The American national team always has ugly uniforms. And yeah. with the colors of red, white, and blue, how is that possible? Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, it, we've had some rough ones. There's no question about it. But uh, I think they've really done really nicely, a nice job with these new uniforms for sure. Now, if the men's national team could only uh, get a nice uniform, that'd be yeah. that'd be swell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Have you seen they uh, they were working on uh, camp? The men's national team, they're they're in camp right now. Yes, yes. And I saw that they have how many players under 22 years old? It's like <laughs> they are. Yeah. Just, they have decided it's time to move on, right? Yeah, I think I think over half the roster is um, is going to be under the age of 23, which I think is extremely positive. Um, like I said, I think we're still in a little bit of flux we're still waiting for a, a, a manager a head coach whatever you want to call it to to kind of appear they're probably going to announce something i would guess probably after the world cup bid sorted out i know they're trying to figure that out because that's going to be happening here pretty soon but um yeah that we, we definitely need something we definitely need a little bit of a boost that's for sure well you you should be as qualified as anybody to discuss this and you know uh, having been around the country and and seeing the youth program over the last decade or so, just to see what kind of talent is coming up. I mean, is there reason to be hopeful? Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, the teams have done very well, you know, at those U18, U20 levels. Um, I think there's there's definitely a lot of good players coming through the system. When you look at some of the younger players, some of those younger players are playing in Europe and doing very well. Um, yeah, there's a good future, and I think similar to a lot of other countries, probably England is in a similar boat. They're trying to try these young players, give them experience, and then see how they do. I mean, that's that's really the only way they can get better. 
Has the has the English uh, team announced their final roster yet? Yep, they've gone with the twenty three players. Yep, so they they've done that, and uh, they're already in training camp getting ready. Yep, they're already set to go. So. Not too many surprises. The, the probably the biggest one was Joe Hart, the goalkeeper, who'd been a, a stalwart for the team. Uh, he didn't make the the final twenty three, but again, he'd had a rough season as well. Yeah, yeah, he, and he really has been a shell of himself for a few years now, don't you think? Yeah, he's definitely been struggling since Man City kind of got rid of him. Right, uh, he's not been the same. And to be fair to Pep Guardiola, they added a new goalkeeper this year in the Brazilian Edison, and he's been tremendous. I mean, he's probably going to be one of the better goalies in the World Cup this year. So so who is the starting goalie for England? Uh, that's a good question. I don't think they've really got one yet. I mean, they've got Jack Butland and Jordan Pickford is going to be the two ones that are probably looking at going for it. So, um, the Pickford probably, from Everton? Yeah, that's right. So Everton and then uh, Jack Butland, who just got relegated with Stoke City. So between those two, uh, Butland I like a lot I mean Pickford's probably a little bit better with his feet yeah we'll find out probably in these in these kind of these pre-World Cup games those friendly games that they do to prepare themselves we'll find out who's going to get the nod here pretty soon okay before we go Adam I know you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, your trip to Barcelona that Adam is the director of coaching for the Illinois Youth Soccer Association and I know that uh, this was a "Quote unquote business trip." I've got, I'm making air quotes right now. <laughs> uh, but so, tell us a few things that you learned. Yeah, I mean, it was great from a coaching education standpoint. Just being around these players was was really was really nice in terms of seeing the players, the teams, and how they do things. But really, for me, there was probably two big takeaways. One, we was able to talk to actually one of the uh, players in the academy in one of the academies, and uh, he was actually an American kid. And it was interesting just to hear him talk about how he loves the intensity of the training session and the practices, but how all of the players he's working with on a daily basis, they all want to be professional soccer players. So that was his biggest thing, and it just raises his level. Even though he's actually going to be coming back to the States next year, it was interesting to hear him talk about that. And then the other takeaway for me, which was I thought was interesting, was the was the facilities themselves. You know, we were able to visit a couple of facilities, facilities Espanol, got to see Barcelona's training facility, but most of them have turf practice fields for all of the academies, so they're training on that. And then for the first team and then the, the, the second team, they're exclusively on grass. So I think um, with the way it's set up, the players are able to play fast and quick on the turf in preparation and then they've got that little carrot. So yeah. when I make, when I become a pro, I get to go on the grass and become, you know, a real true professional. So I thought that was neat. And you know, we visited a couple of places last year when we were in Europe together, and and uh, IX in Amsterdam has the same sort of setup, right? Where they yeah. everything's on turf until you are one of the big boys. Exactly. I think that's kind of the, the 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 way that they've done it. What I really liked about some of the setups that I saw was that the academy is actually right next to the first team training fields. So they're kind of looking over and that's kind of nice. Yeah, that, you know, the cool. academy team is oh, just if I look over, I can see the, the professionals playing. That's where I want to be. So there's always that uh, idea of I want to be over there at some point. So it did it remind you of the other ones that we saw, like the Borussia mentioned Gladbach was similar to that too. 
Exactly, exactly. Same thing, yeah, because you've got all those turf fields, and they've got a great setup in terms of the fields and how they play and what they do. And then, like I said, real close is the grass fields. And then you've got the stadium, which is normally typically yeah. pretty close. Some of the some of the facilities were completely on their own. They're kind of standalone training centers and then the stadium somewhere else. But, you know, it's, it's still pretty nice. It's still, it seems to me, and this is just a, as an outside observer and a complete amateur, but it seems to me the one advantage that they will always have over us is that football, soccer is the nation's pastime in these other countries. It is the number one sport every best athlete in every country plays this sport yeah yeah i and i know that's uh that's always something that's kind of in the back of minds i know when we're doing coaching courses you know we've talked about how we want to make soccer here in the united states the most preeminent sport in the country it's going to take time you know yeah. we've only had we've only had a league for 20 years it's gonna it's gonna take time but it's moving at a very fast pace we're providing lots of education for coaches and making sure that the players get better. And so that way, if we start at the grassroots level, we're able to provide that coaching education to provide better ideas for those newer coaches. It's only going to make the players better down the road. I see that in baseball. You know, Everybody who's a dad plays baseball, they probably could coach and do something. Right. We want to get to that point where – Every dad could, yeah, I could coach the soccer team. Whereas now it's, uh, who wants to coach soccer? And yeah, everybody right. turns away. Yeah. So it, that's going to take time. Is it a corner kick? How does where did the corner kicks go? Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right. Well, thanks for that report. Okay, now let's uh, let's go to my favorite feature because this helps me set the DVR. Now time for Adam's weekend soccer TV tip. Okay, help me. I know, obviously, there's one huge game, right? Oh, yeah, this is going to be awesome. I think it's going to be the best game probably of the year so far. Liverpool-Real Madrid, Saturday, 1 o'clock, I think, kickoff around about that time. Got to watch it. So let's talk about that game. We've got a Liverpool team that is known for its offense. And... Uh, and a Madrid team that is also known for its offense. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I totally agree. I mean, I, I, like we mentioned before, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. It's going to be a really exciting game to watch. Uh, probably a total contrast to the FA Cup final we watched last week. Um, both teams want to go for it. I mean, Real Madrid has some fantastic offensive players. So does Liverpool, probably that front three. Um, I was listening to a group of people yesterday trying to pick the the all time eleven between the two teams. I mean, and you think about it, yeah, if really. You was to, if you was to pick a team from both of these teams, I don't know if you know playing a Barcelona would be a tough game. You know, they they wouldn't e they would easily beat a Barcelona. You've got so many good players on view here. Yeah, think about that. I mean, th these could be the two most storied franchises in the world. Yeah, I think certainly behind you know with. With Barcelona, Man United, you know, you've got those groups, Bayern Munich probably in that group as well, and certainly right. not to miss out any Italian teams. But, you know, when you look at these two, these guys have won so many uh, Champions Leagues between them. You know, it's going to be a really exciting game. So my uh, my prediction on this, and, and this is just because I watched Madrid closely against the, uh, Bayern Munich, 
I th- I think Liverpool is going to win this game. I think the hugging German is going to come through, mm-hmm. and uh, and and Liverpool is going to not make any stupid mistakes in the back for the first time this year, and they're going to win three to two. That's my prediction. How about you? Yeah, I I it's yeah. Um, I've got a funny feeling that Liverpool might win it. Um, but then you've got Zinedine Zidane at the, at the, in charge of Real Madrid, and he's going for three in a row. True. Um, but I'm going to go with you. I'm going to say I'm going to say a four-two victory for Liverpool in a great game. Okay, that's so. That's what we'll be talking about next week. But we're all going to we're also going to start um, taking a look at some of these World Cup uh, groups. There are what eight groups or six groups? Yeah, or, I believe it's eight, eight groups. Eight. A, B, C, D, yeah. Do the, yeah. Do the math. Yeah. Right. We'll do a Eight couple groups. of groups each week as we go through it. Let's let's tackle uh, groups A, B, and C next week. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We can definitely look at that. That'll be good. Yeah, we'll talk about the, uh, the Champions League final, and we'll be back again next week with another episode of Free Kicks. The preceding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? 